Hello, Penny. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I am so excited to speak with you. I am excited to speak with you too, because in our little pre, you know, chat, um, it was like uh, easy flow. And I really love that. So you never know what's going to come out, but it's always interesting and good. It's really exciting. It's an easy flow because when I found your work and I started with your book, Transparency, which I'm holding as my little comfort blanket <laughs> while I record, um, I found your work almost in reverse order. And I, if you saw, if anyone watching this, if you see the notes I have on every book, it is like that when the student is ready, the teacher appears and you just came in. Um, so I hope whoever is watching this or reading this, you know, you get a piece and you got to go on the journey I went with Penny because it'll transform your world. <laughs> so Penny, you are truly on the leading edge. You're usually like 20, 30, 40 years ahead of what's going on in society <laughs> and culture. Um, so I'd love to hear from you. What is your latest knowings? Oh my gosh. Well, I have to say, you know, part of what is coming up for me now is um, that I've been sensing for a while that in the process of um, acceleration on the planet, which is, seems to be just kind of getting a geometric progression, you know, it's getting really faster and more intense, that I think a lot of us have had a sense for a couple of years, even during COVID, you know, if you were slightly awake during COVID, you thought this is a great thing. This is clearing things for us. You know, it's not a handicap. It's a blessing. But I started really feeling it then that our work or our lives were going to have a big explosion of um, expansion. Like, you know, if I'm in my reality ball and I take up 50% more of myself, what would I turn into? You know, like, and I, that feeling of this leap kind of uh, into more of the self. And I was so excited about it because it's, it felt like this is what I came here to do and, and experience. And, but I couldn't see what it was going to look like. So my left brain came up with all kinds of ideas. Oh, more, more people, more travel, you know, more of the same and, or different kind of clients or different. I don't know what, but um, but what came was um, earlier this year, I had um, a really major heart problem that I didn't know I had. And I went to the urgent care and they sent me to the ER and they admitted me with a, acute heart failure. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yesterday I was getting my hair cut, you know, like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> and um, it turns out the mitral valve pretty much blue and it, I wasn't getting blood to my body or the organs. And I had what they call cardiogenic shock, which is where the cells don't get enough oxygen. And then they start to, I guess, you know, shut down. And, you know, if it goes on too long, the organs fail and you die. Um, so I used my intuition really the morning, that one morning, where I felt something was off and I contacted people that knew better, knew what to do. And I, I went and did it. And so that helped. And then I got admitted to the ICU the same day and I got all these great doctors 
So I kept thinking, this is like a weird dream, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm very lucky. I just kept thinking I was so lucky that all this had happened. And then it turned out that my sister who lives in Denver was on the East Coast visiting her daughter and she could come down right away to Florida to help me. And so I was lucky and everything went that way. And even the surgery, which I was told later was difficult. Um, I was lucky, you know, and so it was not on my radar screen. That's what I was thinking when I thought my, saw my life, it was just, you know, sailing on into my year a hundred or whatever it was going to be and no problem. But now this is after you go to the cardiologist a couple of times and they give you all the possibilities of, oh, you might have to have a defibrillator. You might have to do this or that. or And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but it becomes more real that your life might be shorter than you think or not. Right. And uh, it's kind of a choice I have, you know, like this, I'm making this up. You know, and um, and it's not a matter of willpower to try to make myself live longer. It's more a matter of relaxing and uh, and attaining the blessing of this, just like COVID, right? Like this is a reset. You know, this is um, you know a huge like shift into another level of consciousness. I think, and and I think a lot of our you know accidents or you know illnesses are that. So, um, but it didn't come in right away. I thought, oh, maybe I'll be like a walk-in, you know, where it comes in and I'll turn into a different person. But yeah. no, you know, I was just the same and <laughs> and even less clear, you know, because a lot of energy gets drawn out of your brain to help the healing process. And I was like a zombie for a lot of days. But well, um, not slow, now. <laughs> slow recovery, you know, Take it easy. Don't push yourself. Be kind to your body. Be patient, which is was not one. I was like, okay, when is it over? When can I drive again? You know. <laughs> but anyway, all that to say that the um, feeling of what's next is not quite even here yet, except that I have had some interesting experiences, which we can talk about if you want along the way. Um, that are opening me to different kinds of consciousness. And um, and the whole idea of more of what I think may be coming in the near future is um, more instantaneous healing because the acceleration is continuing, you know? I don't know if you feel it. The waves kind of roll through and you go, ah, you know, and then you'd like try to get quiet and let your body do its thing and adapt. But otherwise, you think something's wrong with you or, or you know, you, like, you, or you just want to sleep to try to let your body have time to acclimate. But they come and then they come and they come, you know, and ease off and then come back in again. So that acceleration is bringing us a different kind of consciousness now. You know, it's much faster. Everything is, you ask a question, you have the answer. It's like they're tied together. They're one thing, you know, so that's long winded, but that's part of what I've been going through. 
And if you say what's fresh and new, it's like, how do we pay attention to the subtler things that are emerging for us that aren't necessarily physical at first? There are new patterns within the inner consciousness that are going to result in new skill sets and abilities, and probably were abilities at some other lifetime or something, but they're creeping their way, bubbling their way through to start to become real. And you just, it's like the chrysalis, you know, you're in the thing and you've de, you've melted down your, your caterpillar self and you're starting to reform your butterfly self and you're still a big mush, you know, or <laughs> yeah. my I, friend, uh, feel my that. Friend, one of my friends calls it the goose state. <laughs> well, and, I imagine kind of it. Oh my gosh, so many beautiful gems to unpack here, but just kind of riffing off the chrysalis idea. I imagine if people are watching this and, you know, I'm talking to you now, I I feel like I am in the goo state and I feel like I'm sure <laughs> people watching this are like, yeah, I can't really define who I am anymore. I'm going through stuff. Um, so help. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you suggest for all of us in the goo state? Right. Well, that's, I also call that liminal space, right? Which is liminal means the threshold. And so we are, you go, you finish a cycle of growth and materialization of results or something, and maybe you don't really know it, but the sign is that you're getting bored or you feel stuck. You know, that's a big one. And so um, as you do that, you even being bored is great because you're pulling attention out of something old. You don't know what's coming yet, but you're not doing that. Um, and so you the the first part of going through a threshold is right before the threshold. You know, and that's the boredom state where you're you're going, well, what else is there? I don't know exactly, but oh, imagination. Maybe we should try that, you know. And so then you go into the middle part of liminal space where literally your left brain goes nuts because it's trying to figure out and do what you used to do and draw it's all its ideas from the past and and the defined things that were safe and that won't work every time you try one it'll backfire really quickly oh yeah so you're forced to kind of go into this middle place where you're not pressing forward with willpower you're not trying to know but somewhere inside you, you know, you know, and, and you have to have trust at this point, hugely to say, I am the soul and I do know what I'm doing. And I am bringing things at the right time in the right sequence. So pay attention, you know, and that's where you don't try to go back and what worked. You don't try to push ahead and figure it out. You sit there and you're like a fruit getting ripe on the tree. Mm. right and you're going um i love surprise i love new things i'm willing to be open to ideas i find them fascinating you know or whatever you know and you 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 think of yourself not so much as your story up to date but this white hole where new stuff is coming from the soul level which is to me a collective consciousness it's not just me the soul it's us the soul and everybody's helping bring me 
new new ideas or new ways of doing things you know and so i just say well i'm i'm not I, the story is boring what am i i'm right here in the middle i'm the opening from the other dimensions this stuff is pouring through but i haven't been in the habit of noticing it so you train yourself to notice the new interesting it kind of exciting pleasure generating stuff and you know you make a choice about um is this sacrificial in any way or do i really get joy from it or um it helps me be more loving or more generous or you know have more gratitude and you just train yourself and that's it you have to repeat 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 and eventually that opening just gets so much of a new habit that you trust even the tiniest little things that start happening in your life as signs, as information, you know. And it doesn't really take that long anymore because we're in this accelerated time period. I don't I, know if that helps, but it does. You know. It does. And it's so wonderful to listen to you and like, I know what you're saying is true. And I know that people listening who are drawn to this conversation know that it's true. And then that little left brain voice <laughs> pops up that says, but how do you pay the rent? Or like, right. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. what, what are your thoughts to that little voice that's coming up? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think that you have to kind of start with my thing was I am lucky. Whatever I need, I I have already. If I need to do something, I already have the wherewithal somewhere in me. And if I need more, um, it'll come as a gift. It'll come as a new idea that seems fascinating that I really want to do. And I know I can do it. And I know it will pay off. If I need money or want money, okay, you you can do that. You know, and it's not like sacrificial. I think we have to stay out of sacrificial thoughts and the whole idea of sacrifice because it doesn't further anything or other people even. It's not a service-oriented act. Mm. And so um, instead, I always say self-entertainment is a very high state. You know, in, you know that guy at the at the supermarket who's, you know, the checkout guy who's singing or he's like acting, you know, and how are you doing? You know, and like, <laughs> uh, he's totally having, having a good time for himself. I always think that's like the way to be, you know? So I love that yeah. term, the self-entertainment. Um, <laughs> and, and it's so true with sacrifice. I feel like many of us took on the narrative. Like I definitely took it on that the way to be successful is to hustle and work sacrifice you know your well-being to be successful uh yeah. that's not a good time <laughs> tried that no. didn't didn't what are your thoughts on um anyone kind of in that that lane of like i need to sacrifice they feel like they're sacrificing right now how do you maybe kind of percolate out of that well first of all i think you need to realize that sacrifice is not noble and that's an old program we've gotten from religion. And maybe it's an old antidote to ego. 
but when you realize the ego is just the left brain in overdrive, you know, and and it leads to narcissism and it leads to needing to control reality. And and when you can be more centered and more in the heart and realize, hey, wait a minute, I'm the soul. I use my left brain to make things meaningful, but that's it. It's not the boss. You know, so you've got to kind of get a handle on that a little bit and and make a shift toward um you know i am here to be have fun and joy and to be connected with other people and to receive from them and give to them and have great exchanges and open love experiences for self for family for friends and colleagues for other countries and other kinds of races and all beings and then nature and animals and insects, you know, like just love, you know, the spiritual world is inside the physical world. It's not out there somewhere. And as you realize that you see that everything is filled with spiritual truth and authenticity. And that if you be with it, that will come out. So sacrificial is where you're, you're closing off all of that ability to feel the richness or largeness or beauty of how reality works and 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 you often look at other people who are victims and and sacrificial you know people who've had hard lives and you think that's normal it's it's just a mindset change away honestly and then you think, well, how can that happen? Who's, how am I going to get the money? You know, <laughs> if you're only in the physical realm, it looks like a lot of willpower, effort, um, other, other, you know, hard work or, or that you'll just have to die and like come back in in another lifetime or whatever. But if you realize that I can start changing my mindset now into, I am lucky, you know, and I, I know what I'm doing and I know how to change what I, what, what you look at is what occurs. That's your instructions from your own personal field to the unified field to show it, how to show up as your reality, you know? And so change the instructions. You can be in, you know, an attack like, you know, where your apartment building is getting blown up by a, a bomb, you know, or a missile, and you weren't there that day. You were at the market or something, or other parts of the building collapsed and yours didn't. Small changes in the inner reality or the, I call it your inner blueprint, you know, um, uh, the shift there will change the reality now and quite quickly. If you're saying, oh God, nothing ever works for me, you know, you're going to get some kind of problem, right? I mean, I work on myself a lot with old patterns of, I call it deprivation thinking now, you know, like parents were in, grew up from the depression and frugality was important, but we also, my parents made money, but we were always buying the cheapest deal, you know, and getting good deals. Um, and so that's, that's been with me. And I'm trying to not just be a spendthrift or anything, but to allow a larger flow, you know, and 
without sacrifice, right? And without ego. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. And what I love about your teachings too, and, and it's kind of a through line through all your books and even the way you're, you're sharing today, it sounds so practical and so easy and it is, but <laughs> yes. we, but we make it, well, we make it harder than it needs to be, but right. Thoughts on that. <laughs> Do you agree? Well, part of it is that the left brain and the ego, the resulting ego um, does not want things to be too easy because then you wouldn't need it as it's it's old function as the the caretaker the guard the you know the one who takes care of everything and doesn't let change happen because it's too dangerous you know but um i think that's a big part of it actually and um and so when we identify more as a you know left brain and right brain and heart and the body's a kind of consciousness and you know then we don't have to be so fragmented you know, and the, the left brain isn't in control. So I don't know if that answers that for you. That is interesting. You know, like just, um, the ego is there and it, can you, sorry, can you just remind me again, how you define ego? You already said it, but I already just, well, I, I think of it, I guess, as a partial sense of self. Okay. It's that sense of individuality, but it's out of habit over millennia. It has to do with our family lineage and our stories that have been passed down from the family and your culture and um, and the the really the story of scarcity and how being in the physical world is so difficult and sacrificial because in spirit there's no fear there's there's anything you want just put your attention on it and you can be in it you can have it but spirits in matter so now we can start to have the physical world function according to spiritual principles as we saturate. Oh, okay. Okay. And so okay. the ego is in a big habit of maintaining the control and definition of the way it is, except that's not the way it is anymore. And so I think honestly that globally, we are going through a giant process of ego death which is really the ego is not dying, but it's the it's turning into a more humble sense of self that is fueled by the left brain, the connection to the all that is, to spirit, to, you know, it's open, totally open. Um, and and it's it's revealing a different kind of identity that is like the white hole I was talking about, you know, where it doesn't have to be so defined. People can feel each other. They can read each other. And then they have the freedom to express in the moment. Mm. So, Without saying, oh, I would be too big or too much or too loud or too this. I shouldn't do that, you know. Complete freedom to yeah. just be who you Very are all freedom. the time. Yeah, it's like freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and permission, really, to be unusual <laughs> oh, right. or boring mm. if you want to be boring for a while you could do that I mean I think uh, there's really no limits to how many ways humans can be there's so many blendings of 
love and fear or contraction and expansion in different modes. You know, you can't tell a book by its cover with people. They're so interesting. Would you say, uh, well, it's actually interesting on that note, you can't tell a book by its cover. I'm actually curious with transparency as a theme, can we judge a book by its cover? Can we, cause I, even this morning I, I was talking to my husband and I made some kind of like, huh, like remark, like a, huh. he's like, <laughs> I know exactly what you meant there. You're like frustrated or something. And it's like, and we're becoming, as you've said, I've read, um, uh, we're becoming more ultra sensitive. We can almost feel exactly. So, I mean, I, yeah. So what are your thoughts? Like, can, can we read people like a book or what? Yeah. What are maybe riff yeah. a little on that? Well, I think that we are used to just the surface, um, portrayal of identity what comes from our story and our repeated, see, it always happens to me that way, you know, and, <laughs> and I have bad luck or whatever. Um, so, so that shows up first, but as you become more intuitive and more ultra sensitive, you start picking up on finer levels of, I call it energy information. You know, yes. it's like you read the, the thing on the first level. I remember I had a client once that came in a, a woman I think she was gay I'm not sure but she sat in the chair across from me all like this and like askance like looking at me and I'm wondering why did she even come you know like <laughs> but then I I and she made me uncomfortable so I went into like a kind of altered state that I use for that and um, I could feel like layers in there of the outer level was uh, defiance and I don't care and you know, apathetic in many ways and angry, really angry. And that's what I was encountering at, in my first connection. But then I stopped and I didn't react to that. And I just went further in and I saw more layers of the experience and how she had been so wounded mm. and um, that she had developed this method and even body language in order to keep herself from being hurt again or not trusting, or maybe she was too trusting, you know, too open and empathically and got these responses from wounded people then thought she was wounded. So I, um, I started telling her all that and she started sobbing. And it, it was the first time I had ever encountered um, really truly sexual abuse in a huge way with with the person and it really educated me you know so the answer to what you're saying I think is use your ultra sensitivity stay with the experience and you will go into it like that could be like looking at a flower what is it like if you keep being with it you become that flower and you go ah here's how I open my petals and offer my you know the stamens to the bees and you know and, and you feel what it's like to do that in life and to be that beautiful or audacious and stuff um, but if you only look at it in passing and say oh yeah a daisy right so it's maybe motivated by curiosity in a way too that what is under there 
what is, you know, how is this person medicating themselves in this way to feel safer or better? But what's the real place where things originated for them mm. that causes this outer form? That's what I always do. I get so curious about looking deep. <laughs> it's, I, I think it might be in one of your books, bits and pieces, or mm. talking about the polarization and you talk about politics and how we have these characters. And I, I've been, went through the gamut from 2020 to now of like vilifying people to now getting more right. curious. I'm like, that person's very interesting. <laughs> how did they, Yes. <laughs> instead of like, I hate this person. It's like, right. Hmm. What makes them tick? You know, like what is really going on under there? You know? Um, yeah. And then you can feel, um, you know, their vulnerability, and then you can feel the soul. Or you can feel that the level of fear and beliefs and block is a blockage that's not allowing the soul to get through that. You know, it's almost like a helmet or something, you know, it's so tightly defined that it's hard to feel what the soul feels like. Whoa. And until there's some kind of a, you know, sometimes a a breakdown or a, a wedge experience you know, that where something comes through and cuts through that and opens the crack of it so that you can, maybe that's what my heart thing was also about a bigger opening or um, it's like a chiropractic adjustment from on high or, uh, you know, but something that makes a crack so that you can start to have the light seep through. Yeah. So, you know, all these things are evolutionary for us i don't really think there's a thing as such as a bad thing right well i'm glad i'm actually thrilled you brought back up your heart um because it the way you, you described it how what you went through it, it was really intense but you're you're talking about it as if you went and got a cup of coffee and then you know just <laughs> and that is yeah. mastery that is powerful uh i mean can so many of us have that victim vibe minds victim right. identity when something happens yeah you do not have that from what i'm experiencing or, yeah. or so can you maybe share with us why maybe why we go into the victim vibe or how how you're able to just say hey this is what happened to me and here i am now right um that's interesting yeah i think that <clears throat> i have cultivated the habit of looking at everything in my life that happens and having a dialogue with it or something like why did this happen what's the message that's trying to get that I'm trying to get through to my personality self you know I'm trying to flow in and become the soul 100% embodied and come from there and um, if I give over like if I said oh I didn't know I would have this terrible awful thing happen to me that it was in my, on my radar, you know, it wasn't on my radar, but it was something I didn't suspect. And now I'm a victim. I won't live as long. I'm going to have to take medication the rest of my life. Oh, poor me. No, it was like, well, I did this entire thing. I set it up. I noticed it. I got the help. I went through the process and I got the support of my sister for the whole thing. And 
I mean, and I got really good doctors who were there every day and um, it, it was amazing. And so um, I guess I, I had a couple of moments, I had a backslide and I had a medication snafu where I was like passing, almost, I couldn't breathe and it, like terrible. And I thought that the heart was failing. And I thought this, you know, so I anyway, I got help and got things fixed and things went back to normal. But just for a moment, I went into deprivation thinking, oh, it's not what I thought my life would be. You know, I'm not an invalid. I'm not going to, no, I don't want that, that thing. And a friend of mine was this morning, I was talking and she said her, another friend of hers was encouraging her to um, save a lot of money and and be very careful because nursing homes cost, you know, like $9,000 a month or whatever, and you wouldn't be able to live in one, you know, for more less than, you know, $500,000 in savings or a million or whatever. And she goes, why would I want to, you know, think of my future as living in a nursing home and being that kind of person who would live in a nursing home? You know, that's not what I want to be. So those kind of thoughts come up, you know, like, oh, that's what other people do. And, but why can't I invent a different sort of situation to have for my entire life? So I like, I think a lot of it is mindset, but then, um, you know, there are other factors that probably contributed to the body's weak spots or whatever i don't know um but not that i can't remedy that now if i made it happen i can do something about it now mm -hmm. and i can do natural stuff and i can work with regular medicine too because they both know things so i that's what i'm doing and it's working because you look <laughs> radiant it's okay <laughs> i truly like if i if, we didn't know you went through that. You, you look fantastic and, and vibrant you. and the diamond light is coming through. <laughs> Actually, something I wanted to ask you about uh -huh. your diamond light or diamond light and meditation, which I believe is from frequency. All your books yes, are blended together in my, yeah. my mind. Do you actually have a, like a meditation online where you walk people through the diamond yes. light? Okay. Yes. Fine. that. Um, they are on my SoundCloud page. There are five of them that I did mm -hmm. from Frequency, but I just was told yesterday that they're also on the Simon & Schuster website uh, under my book Okay. somehow. I haven't checked that out yet, but if if people want the links, I can, they can sit, look right to me at my website and I can send them. Yes. But yeah, I recorded five different meditations from Frequency. And Frequency has been, was that so far your most popular book? Yeah. And we're doing a 15 year, I can't believe it, 15 year anniversary edition to come out next year. Oh so my we're God. just working on that now. Yes. yes. <laughs> and there'll be new material and stuff in it. Yes. Okay. It's funny. Every time you speak, I have like five questions that just like <laughs> more than it's like, there's so much. Okay. But one thing that I think is so fascinating about, um, I think, you're expanding the additions, the intuitive way, which I believe came out in 1997, I think. 
Yes. And then there's two more uh, updated versions. I was reading the intuitive way this morning, just checking it. I'm like, every sentence, this book is so good. So good. Um, so I guess this is a good time to ask you, what is your process when you're creating an educational resource, a book, mm -hmm. a course, an email? Can you take us into your world of how do you, how do you create and design your, uh, your education? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we were saying earlier that when I started with Intuitive Way, I had some post-its up that said, I want every sentence to be a jewel. I want paragraphs to embody the kind of consciousness that is coming through. And I want the words to be elegant, you know, and, and, um, and so I, I wrote it with that in mind. And I also edited it with that in mind mm -hmm. to clean things up and, and use ordinary language so that it wouldn't be hard to understand that it could be fun and and humor to and you know stories that are interesting and stuff um so i i've done that on every every book but the last couple of ones i didn't have a clear outline i had a ton of ideas that i just made a a dump a document that was like all these ideas and quotes and stuff and it was a big mishmash which was like really weird. Um, and then from that, I started to get a sense of a progression of how the explanation of this concept that I was trying to get across would flow logically. And then once the logic was there and I had that kind of a feeling sense of the structure of how it would want to be understood, then I fluffed it up, you know, and put in things and and exercise i always think that you'd put a big idea there then well, how do you do it so then i would have an exercise something simple or maybe a journal thing that would help people get a, a felt sense of of it um and and then on a couple of the books i did chapter recaps like summaries so it was a you know quick thing you could go and say oh yeah that's where that was or and then in a couple of others i did um, direct writing messages, like in frequency, I did that. And I think in leap of perception, maybe I did that, where I just kind of went into an altered state and wrote about an idea from the chapter. And it, it's an odd thing, because when you read it from this, the state of being <clears throat> in the didactic part of the chapter from before, they look stupid. <laughs> When, I mean, it's like dumb stuff. Oh God, she's out there, you know. But when you slow down and kind of really slow down and you start reading it almost word for words for each sentence and feeling into it, it's like they're profound. But, and it's just a different, you know, almost like a different frequency that you have to match the frequency of the writing to get what it really, the depth of it, you know. Um, and I, I like doing that. I think I'll do that. I'm, I'm working on another book right now. So that'll maybe be part of it. I'm so excited. So. <laughs> I'm so in penny world. I'm like, whatever you got. <laughs> Can't I'm just, oh, it's just so refreshing. And what's so exciting to anyone listening who maybe if you haven't um, read one of Penny's books, I mean, each book there's the exercises are so good. I keep 
screen grabbing them to be like, Gwen, go do this. <laughs> just so many that whatever you're sharing today, it's, you will get the answers. Wow. It's 11, 11. It's a sign. Um, <laughs> do the work is the sign I'm getting, do the exercises. It is 11, um, 11. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think I, I, I have to ask you Penny because people might be like, well, how is Penny sharing so powerfully getting into altered states and knowing your background, you were, you didn't, you were a graphic designer and art director. Mm -hmm. You didn't. And I love this. You say you didn't like fall off a ladder and have an awakening yeah. and you, you naturally on this journey unfolded. Can you take us through maybe <laughs> that transition from regular job yeah. <laughs> to, um, um, to your journey today? Yeah. Well, it started, we moved a lot as a kid growing up. So I had a lot of different experiences from like really wealthy neighborhoods at where the kids were real spoiled. Um, and then we moved to a farm in Kansas and I had a horse, you know, and then, and I went to the one of the last one room country schools in Kansas, which was an amazing, shocking, but wonderful experience. You know, so lots of stuff. And then I went from being this girl from the Midwest with long blonde hair to going right to New York city to get a job. And I was like, ah, you know, <laughs> um, and later one of Kevin Ryerson, who I worked with, he's a trans medium. He's they, when I, they were doing a reading for me and they said, yes, New York was the equivalent of a near death experience for you. <laughs> and I said, yes, it was anyway. So there were a lot of these things. And then I started meeting um, like Kevin and other, other very talented healers, mediums, and spiritually talented people who took a shine to me or something, you know, and told me stuff like a healer who, I mean, he dissolved a tumor that I had. I mean, like really crazy stuff, ph phenomenological kinds of things where I had to believe that some of these things were true. Um, but he said, you know, you have a really good voice. I think you might be on the radio someday. And I went, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, and, um, but it was, it was like things falling into place or the stepping stones appearing. And then it just built that way. Um, and so my early training was in interior design, interior architecture, which was very structural. It gave me a lot of grounding. And then I moved that into graphic design, which allowed me to work a lot with symbology. Like how do you design a logo for somebody that encompasses their energy or the typeface you use to make it seem funny or serious? And um, so there was a lot of intuitive reading going on with those clients to get what they needed, you know? And uh, so I, I did that for quite a while. And then I ended up moving to Northern California and everything was exploding there with all kinds of consciousness stuff, which I had always been interested in from my early years. So I just started, I'm taking Tai Chi and, you know, I studied, um, intuition development or um and and was good at it like and suddenly I saw hey I could have a career in this but all the early design and and that kind of work was real training 
for being able to work more abstractly, but still bringing the abstract down into form. And so once I shifted over and I, oh, I got laid off from my graphics job, my art director job, they had a turnover. So I, I got clients that I'd had and vendors and I started my own business. And then, you know, that evolved. And then eventually the metaphysical work took over from that. But then I was working with scientists. So it wasn't all woo woo. It was, I was working with a, a scientist at Stanford Research Institute. And we were doing um, what he, he designed this process called intuitive consensus, where they would take a series of questions, which often were coming from corporations. And he had, oh, maybe eight or 10 intuitives. And we would do readings on this set of questions independently of each other. And then he would take all those that information together, synthesize it in some way and produce a report, which you know they paid for. And so I did a lot of that work, which was very, um, you know, it, it helped build my credibility. And then I, those people wanted me to go to Japan to do work over there. And so I ended up going with that man, the head of the organization, and working in a bunch of cities in Japan and doing private sessions and um, group readings on um, like the future of Japan and, and stuff like that. And, um, and then I did a lot of group readings on the future of education and blah, 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 you know, a lot of things like of that sort. And, um, and then things just started opening up. I was traveling. Uh, I, I think I worked in Japan for 20 some years on and off. And then I went to South Africa. I started going all over the place. Everything just built, you know? And so, and then I, I always, oh, I used to say to myself, what's my next courageous act? Because mm. I was shy, very, I still am kind of, um, but the next courageous act was to write a book. And I, because I had seen the artist's way and I really loved it. And I met people in Santa Fe who were connected with it. So um, I thought, why don't I write an intuitive version of this? So I wrote the intuitive way. And um, it was, it's still selling. It's like a very popular book. And it's, it's a course, like you said, you know, it's on, um, and so that that's it. I just started going and now this will be the 11th book that's coming up. So I don't know. It's almost like if you stay in the center and don't try to be too ambitious and I don't really like branding and marketing, marketeering so much, <laughs> um, but you do what comes to you to do. And I always had the idea with marketing that it gets out telepathically and the work itself establishes a kind of vibration. And I didn't need to be famous. I just wanted to get messages to people. I wanted to get the work out and then it had its own life, you know, and, and it may still have a different track coming forward now. I don't know, but yeah. Um, I used to lay in bed and imagine I had a lighthouse up above my, the roof of my house 
that and the light was going around and around and i just would say anybody who needs my point of view or to work with me here i am you know and you can find me because i've got the lighthouse going and that's what i did for my marketing <laughs> for a, a while <laughs> love that so much. Um, well, oh, I, I just have to, I love the way you explain. I think you, you share, it's like a stew, like you kept adding ingredients and it keeps right. getting more delicious. Right. The stew, right. the stew is not bland. The stew is a right. lot of flavor, a lot of flavor. Right. Right. Um, well that light, I got to talk about that, your lighthouse idea. Because this is something I've been curious about for you as somebody out there in the public eye of people like me that that come out of the woodworks and they're like, oh, can I interview you? Can I, you know, like <laughs> people that probably want your attention for stuff, people that want to talk to you um, and you're putting that strong lighthouse out. How do you manage uh, boundaries? Although, as I say that, I think you have a, do you believe in boundaries? Okay. My question to you is how do you manage all the people coming into your world and wanting to talk a piece of penny um, and, you know, keeping your, yeah. How do you manage it all? <laughs> yeah. I don't like the idea of boundaries so much because I think that your vibration, your frequency is enough. It will. And if you're in your home frequency, you know, your authentic self, and then you, you realize that that does expand out beyond your body and creates your personal bubble, you know, your field your personal field, then that itself acts as a regulating force that people who aren't at that frequency often don't see me. They don't recognize it for whatever reason, if they're too egotistical or, or th their educational level hasn't gotten exactly to the level where I'm talking about, you know, which I am often ahead of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but then I say, whoever can use me, you know, if you can use it, here I am. And then, so I allow myself to be visible that way, just by a thought, really, just by a feeling that um, I trust the process of how people come. And I have clients that are homeless, you know, that have had the worst awful lives and they're like amazing souls, you know, and, um, all kinds of things. I mean, I've had movie stars and all, all kinds of things. And so it's just what I let the flow take care of it, kind of. But I think a part of that is establishing your frequency and then saying, yes, I want to connect with people. You know, because there are times where I have not wanted to connect with people or even during my recovery hardly anybody ever called. I didn't have work and I didn't want it. Mm. So maybe part of this is that we think the outside, there's an outside world that's separate from us. I have to go get those clients and reel them in, you know, because <laughs> they're out there, but they are part of you. They're in you already. And it's your uh, choice as to, shall I, um, you know, pull up the blinds and let people see me, you know, or, um, or um, be quiet for a while and not radiate as much and focus inwardly 
and maybe I'll get one or two people, but they're choice people coming. So I don't really try for the big volume because it waters down the product. Do you know? Yeah. And just looking at your body of work and working globally. And as you said, working with celebrities to homeless people, <laughs> it's like, you really just, what an example of just letting life happen, but you're still controlling it. You're, I don't want to know if I want to say control, but you're creating um, your energy. You're, yeah, is that right? Well, I like think you're... it's all, it's about um, preferences. Hmm. Mm. Do you know, like, it's okay for you to say what you prefer hmm. and what works for you. You're not being selfish. And then if you say, oh, no, I can't say no to all these, then you're being sacrificial. Mm. So there's mm -hmm. a, a place in the middle where um, I just kind of, I don't care who people are. The, the, I look for the soul. Mm. You know, that is who I relate to. And um and also, I do prefer ease of conversing, like with you, you know, it's like, oh, instantly, it was, I know who you are by how easy it was for me to talk with you, you know, and, and there are other people, even in my family, <laughs> in a way, it used to be that I would start talking about something, and then I couldn't find my next thought, <laughs> it would be like... <laughs> Like um, there was a little wall that had clanged down and I was just hearing myself and, um, and I thought, okay, all right, I'll talk about other things, you know, that, that we can agree on or that are in their reality. Right. Um, I, uh, our time is, is time is time flies being in your presence in a good way. <laughs> um, I guess I just want to ask you one last question and then where could people find you? Mm -hmm. Um, but just everyone, we're like barely scratching the surface of all the magical teachings. Uh, I don't know if I like the word magical. Um, what, <laughs> what's a better word for magical? Uh, I don't know. I like magical. I like okay. uh, miraculous. I like Ooh. surprising. Amazing. Awesome. <laughs> yes. My last name is awesome. I married a man with the last name awesome. And like, it just has to become awesome. I have to embody well, the energy. <laughs> right. Yeah. You set um, that up. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, I did. Okay. So my question to you is just, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would just, any stories you want to share, any final thoughts, words of wisdom, anything you want to share as final parting thoughts to folks? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can never think of stories when people ask me about, to think of a story. It was like, um, but, um, one of the interesting things that did happen to me after the surgery and in recovery was that I was sitting on my sofa and I, I mean, not doing anything. And I suddenly had this vision of that. You might have like a life review when you die, you know, you see your whole life at once. And I saw it. It was like a little film strip that went out from here and went to my left side and went all the way back to when I was toddling. And I saw every event and I saw how it was set up so that the next one could fall in place. And it was like genius. It was engineered in this perfect way. And I thought, wow, I did that with the help of all the other beings that are involved with 
with me and helping. I was like, my God. And, and then I could zoom in and go into any moment and be actually back in it and living it at that time. And then back out of it and go back into the film strip. And that was amazing. And so I got into that for a while and say, wow, this is so fascinating. And then I went, you know what? It's my story and it's cool. And I'm really not that interested in it anymore. And um, and that's where I I kind of had a feeling of losing my identity, which I feel now is a thing that a lot of people are going through. They're changing and shifting their identity, either from someone who's been having trouble and they're going to branding agencies and getting, you know, the new self like that way, or we're just giving up the all the stuff that we were so attached to. Like I'm good because I have published books uh, or whatever. And um, I see it as a theme and it's part of ego death, the large thing of ego death and the rediscovery of when you're soul motivated. But I just thought it was so funny that all this amazing engineering and yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's the cosmic joke, you know? Anyway, um, that's what I thought of to share. <laughs> right. I love that you always add a bit of humor, some levity. To <laughs> um, and uh, I'm going to add the links, but if people want to get into your world uh, at yeah. this point in time, what do you think is the best place for people to start to get into your world? Uh, well, you know, my website has a ton of stuff on it. It's just my name, pennypierce.com. And, but I have Instagram, which I don't really use as much, but there's stuff on there, um, you know, and Facebook. Um, I'm not really big on lots and lots of social media, but um, I try to stay in touch. So, um, and I do have YouTube stuff. There's a lot on YouTube and SoundCloud. So. Absolutely. I'm going to yeah. link everything and <laughs> everyone will find exactly what they need. And with the lighthouse, they will be called to whichever, <laughs> whichever piece, whichever material they need to start. So Penny, thank yeah. you so much for your time. It's just a joy to speak with you. Thank you. And I, I reciprocate back at you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening or watching. Excited to see you next week. <laughs>